Welcome to Sharon Yams, the heartbeat of young adult ministries at Sharon Church in Portland, Oregon. Dive in with us as we explore real-life topics through a biblical lens tailored just for you. This isn't your regular sermon. It's faith, life, and everything in between from a young adult's perspective. Ready to get inspired? Let's jump right in. Ayana and I'm a leader of Sharon's Seven Day Events Young Adults Ministry, aka Sharon's Yams. And this channel is going to broadcast our Project Resurgence mission, where we are encouraging young adults between the ages of 18 to 35 to gain a better relationship and get to know God through eight in-person events and through social media. Today we are starting our journey with a video podcast, which brings me into introducing our guest speaker for today. Today I have the a guest from Mississippi, a very sophisticated family man. He has a beautiful, cool family that he gladly adopted me into. He's also an amazing prophet and discipline of Jesus Christ. He's also my pastor at Sharon's SDA. How are you doing today, Pastor Roscoe Shields? I am absolutely amazing. With an introduction like that, I even if I wasn't doing amazing, I'm doing amazing now. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, doing great. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. God is good all the time. Just studying for an exam. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome anytime. So, Pastor Schultz, since you're a wise man when it comes to the Bible, and you're a young, older adult. A young, older adult. <laughs> I would like to ask you a couple of questions concerning forgiving your parents. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, but are you ready for the smoke, though? You know what? Bring the smoke. I, I'm ready for all the smoke. Okay, okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Let's go. <laughs> so my first question I have is, what does forgiveness look like in God's will? And what does it, he have to say about forgiveness? Wow. Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, what does relationship, I mean, what does uh, forgiveness look like in God's eyes? It looks like um, letting things go so that we can move forward in life. A great example of that um, is uh, Jesus, as his uh, disciples say, well, you know, can you come and teach us how to pray? <clears throat> and um, he, starts to, he starts his prayer. In the midst of that prayer, you'll see where it has, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive our, forgive our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. And um, it, it's like God is tying my forgiveness directly to how I treat my neighbor, how I treat another person. So um, we're talking about forgiving our parents. If I want God's forgiveness, I've got to be, be in a position to forgive my parents. And that means that I've got to be willing to move on in life. Now, there's also a couple of different reasons for forgiveness. One of those is, um, well, one of those is relational. One of those is reconciliation. Um, one of those is just so that you can move forward in your life. Relational, you're you're wanting to salvage um, that relationship, uh, but it may not be salvageable, you know. But you're saying to yourself, "I'd rather uh, have this relationship than be right." So um, <clears throat> that that's one thing. That's typically with a husband and wife, but I guess it could play mostly there with with, with parents as well. Um, the reconciliation. Um, one is when both parties are, are looking to salvage that relationship. And if relational is just one person who, who thinks, you know, I, it, this person is more important to me than this, than this foolishness that we're going through or, or this quarrel that we're going through. But relate, uh, reconciliation, um, that's both parties see the value of getting past what you've gone through and you're really trying to uh, merge those two worlds back together. Um, the other one, uh, when you just want to move past it and get it off, kind of like um, a kid eating um, broccoli or Brussels sprouts. If you got to eat it, just go ahead and eat it, you know, <laughs> go ahead and do it and get it off your plate so that you can move on with the dessert in life. Because I, what I've discovered is a lot of a lot of times 
looking at forgiveness, how God looks at it, we are exempting ourselves from things that God has prepared for us because we are stuck in that one moment in life. I understand. So basically, no matter what happens to us, uh, we must forgive because God wants us to forgive because I know in the Bible, there's in the King James Version, forgive is said 56 times and forgiven is said 42 times, which Mm -hmm. means you're supposed to forgive 14 times more than you are forgiven. Because mm-hmm. we sin on a daily day basis, and the only person who went without sinning was Jesus, and Jesus died for our sins. So in order for us to go to heaven or to get a better relationship with God, we have to basically forgive each other more than we sin and ask for forgiveness, which we should ask for forgiveness on a daily day basis. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, um, <laughs> It's amazing because I, I'm one of those um, those Bible geeks, I, I suppose, um, and I love prophecy. And one of the things um, that I recall, speaking of numbers <clears throat> in there, um, Jesus has this conversation with Peter, and I believe you can find it somewhere in Matthew 18, I believe, Matthew 18, uh, somewhere in there, and um Somewhere around verse 20, 21, somewhere. But anyway, um, 21, somewhere in there. Uh, but Peter comes and he asks Jesus this question. You know, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? That is a loaded question because Peter uh, is automatically assuming that his brother, now he didn't say a stranger, he said uh, my brother is, is uh, sins against me. So he's automatically assuming that his brother's going to sin against him. He automatically assuming that the bro- he's going to have some problems with, his, with, with the brother, right? So he's here and, and he asks a question and then he tries to answer the question with a question up to seven times. Peter's like, man, I got to do this up to seven times because seven being the number of perfection, Peter's speaking like, how many times I got to forgive him? I got to give him, I forgive him seven um uh, seven times did Jesus uh, talk to him and he said, no, nah, man, um, you got to twist it, brother. Not just seven times, but you got to forgive him seven times. Not not seven times, but 77 times. So it, it's just, for me, Jesus is, is letting us know that we've got to be, once again, like I talked about before, the forgiveness that I want from God, because when I sin, I want God to forgive me for that sin. No matter how egregious it may be, I still want God to forgive me for that sin. But we still got to learn how to forgive people. Like um, we want God to forgive us. Matter of fact, there's a verse that talks about, I'm trying to remember where that verse is. Um, Colossians, I believe. Um, Man, um, hmm. uh, trying to remember what that verse is. Colossians three thirteen. That's right, Colossians three thirteen, and it says something like, um, "Bearing with one another." I like how the Bible puts it: "Bear with one another." Just like Peter knew that his brother was going to sin against him, we ought to know that our our parents, our siblings. Uh, people around us who we're close to are going to sin against us because we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all have challenges in life. So, and and sometimes we're doing the best we can. Sometimes we're just really up to no good. Um, but the Bible says, "Bear with one another." And if one, um, how does it put? It? And if one has a complaint against an, another, forgive each other. Is what the Bible says. Forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. So because the Lord has forgiven you, so also we must forgive. And so we're, we're kind of connected and tied into this thing together. So we got to forgive each other. So um, just like we want God to forgive us. Amen. I believe that. Especially because Jesus also uh, forgave all the sinners that basically crucified him. So <laughs> if Jesus could could forgive them, then we could basically forgive anyone because no one has killed us yet 
or yeah, yeah. I hope I they don't know. kill us. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you really know how powerful that is. You just said I'm glad you brought it up because this was while he was in the midst of his situation. You know, most time hindsight is 2020, which means we can look back. And as time progressed, time has passed, we can, you know, the, the, the sting has gone a little bit. We can kind of forgive and move on. But this was while he was actually being hurt. You know, can you imagine while someone is in the process of hurting you? He was in the process of, uh, of being hurt. He was nailed to the cross. He had been beaten. He had, he had been um, uh, 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 abused mentally and physically. And, and now he's being humiliated. Uh, they're on the cross, and he utters those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you imagine forgiving somebody while they're in the middle of sucking you in your face? <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't. I'll probably have to forgive them when I'm punching them back. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. What you said is so powerful there. You know, God, he's, he's, he's forgiving. He's asking for forgiveness for these people while he's in the middle of being hurt. Yeah, that's he was a great a great man because today's age that is something hard for anyone to do even if like you're supposed to take a like this is about our parents. So let's say our parents as a kid they told us they were going to take us to the Bahamas and they didn't do it. And so mm. we have to forgive them for that because all our expectation was to go to this trip to the Bahamas and then now we can't go anymore. But that's like just something minor compared to, well, that we can forgive rather than, oh, our mom is beating us and our father is beating us, put a gun to our head. Mm -hmm. That would be hard for us to forgive at that time in the midst of it if that was going on. But Jesus, he... He just did it. He just did it. You know, while, the, while they were there at the cross. Now, we got to understand where Jesus was in this moment. I know the pictures that we see, he's up on top of this hill and he's up on top of this cross in the middle, the highest cross. But no, there are other people on top of that hill and the cross would be at eye level with the people. So he's there, eye level with the people. He's butt naked. His his uh, his organs are hanging out. His insides hanging out because he's be been beaten with the cat of nine tail, uh, which has ripped his flesh from his bones. He's exposed. He's been mentally abused. He's been he been from one courtroom to the next courtroom with people telling lies on him, and he's been up all night. Remember, if you recall, he was up all night praying because he, he had to wake his disciples up a few times. Hey guys, just pray with. I'm getting ready to go through something here. So, in the in the Bible depicts that it was so much pressure that he began to sweat blood. So now, if we really understand where Jesus was, mentally abused, physically abused, emotionally exhausted, and, and he still, not only did he ask for forgiveness for those who were hurting him, he still had enough left in him to forgive the sins of the. Uh, the, uh, of one of the people that were being crucified with him. You know, the, the guy on the cross was like, you know, there were two of them want to say, you know, if you're, if you're really the son of God, get you and us out of here. <laughs> and the other one said, look, we are getting what we deserve, but this guy's done nothing. So the guy was repenting by, uh, by, uh, by accepting responsibility for what he's done, taking ownership of what he had done. And then he, then he right there in the middle, he said, you know, I want to be in paradise. I, I want you to forgive me. I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So that's how simple forgiveness is. It's not no big formula. We don't have to uh, do chants and, and incantations and all this stuff. We don't have to have the perfect words. All we have to have is a heart that says, hey, I've done wrong. You, I deserve it, but you don't deserve it, Lord. So forgive me for my sin. And that's just basically repentance. That's what he was showing. But yeah, it, Jesus was going through so much at that time, but he still found uh, the, the kindness and the wherewithal to for, forgive those people who were hurting him in the midst of their, uh, of their hurt. Now, you said something there that was very interesting. You kind of gave a contrast between 
uh, a parent that, that said, hey, we're going to go to the Bahamas. Boom, something happened. We didn't go. And a parent that's physically abusing the child. Now, once again, I want to make sure that everybody's clear on this point. There is no excuse for misusing, abusing anyone, especially someone who cannot defend themselves. And when you look at situations like this, it's more so because of power. They, they want to exert power over someone. And so if you look at elderly, the elderly, or you look at children that cannot defend themselves, I, I have zero patience for people like that. So Lord's going to have to help me with forgiveness on that level. So, um, but my point is this, being that you brought that up and looking at those contrasts there, they're separate things, completely separate things. But according to what we what we learned in the Bible, what we just read, hey, we got to forgive. We got to forgive. And Peter, I mean, Paul brings us home with it. And Paul talks about forgiveness. Um, and he, talk, he talks about, um, what was it? Luke, I think six, I believe. He said, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So when a person is harming me, I can't judge where they're coming from. I don't know their whole story. I just so happen to be a, a part of that journey with them that I'm being abused. Also, it says don't condemn them. It says don't, but but forgive them so that you so they will be forgiven as well. And when Paul is talking about this, he's picturing, <coughs> excuse me, a millstone around somebody's neck, right? And when he's talking about forgive, he's talking about taking that millstone off your neck and setting it down. Not taking it off and throwing it at the person that put it around your neck. Not taking it off, uh, placing it on the uh, foot of the person who, who put it around your neck. Not even taking it off, giving it back to the person who put it on your neck. But taking it off and sitting it down. And I think this is a moment of healing for a bunch of people, whoever's watching this right now. Because sometimes you're never going to hear the words, I'm sorry. You're never going to hear those words because some people won't take respons responsibility. Some people won't take ownership of what they did. They won't take accountability. But I tell you what, the forgiveness that you're going to give that person allows you to move forward in your life. You're taking that millstone off your neck. You're laying it down and you're moving on with your life. 100%. And just like uh, in First John 1 and 9, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing <laughs> that his word has no place in our hearts. And that's 9 and 10. So no matter what he says, just confess your sins. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to have live forever and not die when the second coming when everyone will that's not like him or anyone that doesn't want to gain an understanding connection with him will perish so mm -hmm. the simplest thing we can do is just confess our sins know be righteous know what's right and wrong and know that oh i did something wrong and then confess it ask god for forgiveness and try to do the right thing well, don't try. Do the right thing because trying Ooh. is failing. Trying Absolutely. is failing. That's right. That's right. And so I'm glad you brought it up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say to the best of your abilities, just do the right thing so you won't have to worry about everything you do and try to confess your sins on a daily day basis. But you should confess your sins because we sin on a daily day. Basis. You should confess your sins uh, immediately. And what that does is, is you're recognizing in that moment that you're doing wrong. Uh, don't wait till you finish sinning. <laughs> you're recognizing that moment, hey, I'm doing wrong. And guess what? Those moments become real to you and they'll become less frequent uh, to you as well. And uh, I, I think what we could do is frame our conversation around um, uh, another verse in, in John, not first John, but another one in John. Uh, 316, which a lot of people know by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, here's the part that whosoever, if I've got a problem with someone who has abused me, my, my parents, I've got a problem with my parents, 
I've got to put that, put my parents' name in that whosoever part. So I've got to say, you know, for God so loved the world that Martha or Roscoe, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for Martha or for Roscoe, those are my parents' names. So I got to put their names right there. And when I do, when I make that personal, then guess what it does? It helps me to realize the other part of verse. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know what I'm saying? In him. Whosoever. And, 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 and so that's so important for us to understand that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if I understand that, then how am I going to have challenges with my mom and dad still and not forgiving them and they make it to heaven? And, and, and what am I going to do when they get there? Is I'm, what am I going to do? Am I expecting them not to be saved? If I if I'm expecting them not to be saved, then I've done just what we talked about earlier when Paul talked about, you know, don't don't judge anybody, don't condemn anybody. And the other part of that verse that that John talks about, John 3:17, is that for God sent not his son into the world to condemn. And it says the world, but I gotta put my parents' name in there, not not to condemn Roscoe Mark. For God sent not a son to the world to condemn the world, but that the Martha and Rothko may be saved by him, through him. God's original thing is to save us, even those people who have hurt us. So, but I I make it real and I, 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 it helps me when I put the person's name in that whosoever context. Yeah. Okay. And I, I know like Ian, with any verses, you can also put your name in it to basically your name or whoever names, whatever verse that applies to you at that moment, you can put it in, say it nine times, nine or 10 times and believe it in your heart and it will come true. Well, you know, I, I can absolutely agree that repetition deepens the impression. Um, also, I yeah, if, we're, if our segment was talking about self-forgiveness, which we probably should do uh, something on that. But there are a lot of people out here dealing with self-doubt, self-guilt. Um, there's another uh, verse that I love, Isaiah 43, I believe. Uh, what is it? Isaiah 43, 25. And it talks about, I am, this is God speaking, that I am he who blots out your transgressions. And I put my name there. So no matter what the world says about me, no matter who remembers what I did, the Bible tell, tells me in Isaiah 42, uh, 25, that God blots out my sins. And it says, and he will remember them no more. So no matter who's discussing what I did, whether it was yesterday or 10 years ago or 50 years ago, no matter how long ago that people have been discussing it, the Bible tells me that God is the one who blots out my sins. And he's not discussing it anymore. It's done. It's not even remembered anymore. So that helps me forgive myself. But we'll talk about that on another another segment if you ever invite me back. But it's very good. Gotta learn to forgive ourselves too. Amen. And um, before I move off of this topic, I just wanted to say uh, the scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32, it teaches us basically how to live our lives, which says, mm-hmm. get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, mm. harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Mm-hmm. So basically still forgive your parents, forgive anyone that has wronged you, try to help them in any way possible because don't charge it to their hearts, charge it charge it to their heads for not knowing. Say so don't hate the player, hate the game. Amen. <laughs> I love this because first Peter um I believe four eight also talks about that. It says above all keep loving one another earnestly. You know it says not just loving them, but loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, so love covers a multitude of sins, and, and it really does. And, and I, I probably have a story or two about that, but I, I'll, I'll let you get back to, to what it is you want to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, our second question that we have for today, I think you touched the base on this earlier, but 
How do you forgive your parents for the childhood abuse they caused? As in mental abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, any abuse. Wow. Um, how do you do that? Okay. Um, let's go to... I want, I want to start with the foundation, the foundation being that individual, the foundation being you, because the, 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 the thing that we want to work on is you forgiving, but we also talked about what that looks like to God and why we should forgive, and we understand that we're, we're relieving ourselves of that burden. And I believe that we go to um, Luke 17.3, I believe. It talks about pay attention to yourself. So Lucas is pointing us, to, and Lucas is a physician, so he's pointing us to look at ourselves. If your brother, if your mother, your father sins, rebuke him. And it said, and it goes on to say, and if they repent, forgive them. Now remember, I said that there's sometimes you will never hear I'm sorry. But if you just keep beating a person over the head with it, you're doing nothing but hurting yourself too. You're hurting yourself more. If a person doesn't want to take accountability, but you got to take all, you got to make sure that the perpetrator knows that they did something. So first step is to take care of you. Make sure that you're safe, physically, mentally, emotionally. So that means you gotta, if you gotta uh, carry yourself away from that situation for a while, you gotta do what you gotta do. If you're a little bitty kid, you know. Um, 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 I'm praying for you and praying that the Lord will help you in that situation. Um, but first thing you got to do is take care of you. got to do that. got to secure you. Then the, the next part of the formula, uh, if your brother sins, you got to rebuke him, which means that you bring it to that person's attention. Hey, you hurt me. You did this. And so I've got a, a, a story about this. I, early on in my life, I was uh, sexually abused by someone who was supposed to take care of me, you know, um, and uh, not not my parent or anything that that nature there, but um, this person, I, I really didn't know how to deal with it for many years, and it caused me a lot of of, of self harm uh, because I didn't know how to relate with relationships. I used sex as a tool more so than anything else, but that's how I was introduced to sex. Um, and messed up a whole bunch of good relationships that I could have had, but because of the mental and emotional stuff, that baggage that came along with that, you know, um, I didn't really know how to deal with that. So um, I did go to therapy, and um, my therapist was like, well, you got to talk to this individual. So I remember um, uh, going and talking with the individual, and I say, well, listen, I, I know that you're aware of what you did to me. And I, then the person said, well, you know, what are you talking about? So I was like, okay, that, that's what we're going to do. So we're just going to be like that. Okay, well, let me be very descriptive. On these occasions, this is what you did and what you made me do. You know what? That person looked me dead in my eyes and said to me, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I could have been bitter, but I decided to be better. I did what I had to do. I took care of me took myself out of, that, out of that position. Then I, I rebuked the person. I let them know exactly what they did. They didn't take ownership of it. So guess what I did? I forgave them and I moved on with my life. I moved on with my life. I refused to allow that moment to, to encapsulate me with all the hurt, all the rage, all the bitterness. And because I'm stuck in that moment, I, was, I, was, I, I could be... Um, missing out on great relationship moments now. So my advice is to uh, remove yourself from that picture if, uh, if you can. Um, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Uh, go go see a therapist. Uh, you know, I, I know that in some communities, we, we, we don't like necessarily like to go see therapists, but it's kind of like a stigma, but it's not dry snitching. It's to help you. It's help you walk through some stuff with a professional. We we go to go to the doctors for a heartache or a headache or a stomach ache, but our, our minds are just as fragile, so we, we need help uh, help with that as well. Um, second thing I would do is confront the person, talk to them about it, tell them exactly how you feel and what they did and how it made you feel. 
Now, here's the kicker. Once again, they may own up to it. They may not. But either way it goes, your role is to get it off your plate and to say, you know what? I'm taking this real stone off my neck. I'm laying it down. And you deal with it with what, however you want to. Now, there, there have been times in my ministry when I've done situations with people uh, that are like me who have been perpetrated and the person has either died or moved away. They don't know what the person is or, <clears throat> or the person has not uh, owned up to what they did. I have people write down explicitly, exactly, verbatim, or as long as they want to what happened. Then what I, what I tell them to do is uh, we come to the front, we put it into a pile and light it all on fire. And what that does is releases that from them. That's what that does. So you may not come to one of our retreats or events, but if you want to just do that at home, not inside your house, <laughs> but you know, probably outside the house somewhere, just write down everything that you feel about that situation, how they made you feel. Write that down, what happened, how they made you feel. Empty your soul. Take that paper, uh, ball it up, burn it, and boom. That's symbolically you're cleansing your soul from that information. So that's what you do. Step one, got to take care of yourself. Got to remove yourself from the situation. Step number two, you got to make sure that you're confronting that individual. If they're no longer around or if they don't take uh, responsibility for what they did, then you still move to step number three, forgive them, which means to let it go. Let it go. Uh, move on with your life so that you can be a better person. I will say I do 100% agree with um, they should get therapy because therapy is the first step, um, especially if you have dealt with any abuse at all, childhood abuse. And I believe that most adults themselves, the ones that hurt um, the children, they're just basically passing out childhood trauma because they were abused. Nine times out of 10, they were abused or something happened to them in their past would cause them to unconsciously abuse someone else that they might not even want to abuse, but then they end up doing it because it was done to them. And then there has to be a cycle between right and wrong, whether because it's a generational cycle going on and on with the families, families know who, who do what, like, Oh, the, Oh, the uncle, that's the molester. Oh, the cousin, that's the rapist. But the families just keep it quiet and in between each other. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he can still come to the functions because um, he's cool. He'd be having all the drinks. So, yeah, we can <laughs> go ahead and come. Knowing yeah. that that is wrong and that that person needs to know what they did and all the hurt that they caused. But no, people tend to just, okay, keep it quiet. And then the Victim, they just tend to tell the victim, be quiet, it was your fault anyway, when it's never the victim's fault. The victim had nothing to do with it. The victim didn't have a choice and didn't say yes or no. Well, even if they did say no, they didn't have the choice. They were forced to do it, which causes them to not be in the wrong in this predicament at all. It's the mm -hmm. perpetrator's uh, fault, and the perpetrator needs to basically own up to their actions evaluate themselves and to figure out why did they do it because if they don't understand why they're doing it they're going to keep doing it over and over again so it hurts more people so we need yeah. to basically come together as a community come together as families to recognize and say that this is not right and if these things are happening we need to put a stop to it whether it's turning these loved ones into into the police department um or handling it ourselves which is not allowing this person to come into our facilities or anywhere around children or anyone that he could potentially harm mm -hmm. he or she he or she yeah because mm -hmm. it does happen i know on a day-to-day -day basis but how can us young adults not me but other younger adults that have kids, <laughs> how can they be better parents? And how can they like help if they're they're doing something to their kids, not necessarily sexual abuse or anything, things that they don't know are hurting their children? How can they be better parents for their children to be able to forgive them? 
Oh, man. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I'll start out with um, prayer. You know, um, I'll start out with seeking God's face. Well, that's prayer, seeking God's face. For what it is we want to do. I want to piggyback off something that you said earlier. A lot of us have generational curses and we perpetrate the same thing and repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And sometimes we knowingly do it, sometimes we don't necessarily know that we're doing it. So as parents, I've got to be acutely aware of who I am, who my family is, and what challenges we have. I'm switching hats from kid to parent at this point. Um, I remember a time when um, I had to have a, a conversation with my children. I, I, was, I, was stud- I was studying my family tree, trying to figure out, you know, bloodlines uh, and all that stuff for relatives. And I noticed that our family had a propensity towards heart disease. Because a lot of people in my family died from heart disease, which helped me to understand I need to get checked for that and make sure that I'm on top of that so that I can live for a right lower age unless I get hit by a bus or something. But um, along that line, I also discovered that um, alcoholism uh, ran and runs, not ran, but runs in our family. So I had to have a serious conversation with, with my, my, my kids who, our kids who are grown now and they're, they're out of the house. And I, I had to let them know, I'm not telling you that I know you're drinking. I'm just going to say that I know you're predisposed to it. I know it because it runs in our family. But what I want you to be aware of is that I want you to know that this is one of our curses so that you can be informed and make informed decisions. You're going to be drawn to it. You're going to be, um, but we can't do just a little bit. So, um, yeah, as a parent, I've got to be acutely aware of who I am, what's go- what goes on in my family, and have honest conversations with my children, with, with your children, so that they can become aware. And at some point, um, I think that we keep um, doing these same things because we are aware individually. We, we are aware uh, where that someone else does it, but we don't talk about it so that everybody knows. And I think that if everybody know, knew that um, uh, cousin such and such or, or uncle such and such or auntie such and such or, or this person, that person, was a pedophile, if everybody knew that, then everybody could be acutely aware of what's going on with that individual. So first thing as a parent, I've got to make sure that I'm, that I'm praying, asking God for his um, direction, because we, we don't have an owner's manual when it comes to kids. I mean, with everything else in life, you get an owner's manual. <laughs> you, know, you go buy your washer and dryer right now, you get an owner's manual, how to operate it. But our kids come with, they're so diverse in, in their their, their um, personalities and, and, and things of that nature there. So even if, even if you have two parents that have the same kids, they are not the same kids. So even if you did have a manual, that manual probably wouldn't work for everybody. So you got to go and ask God what what it is that you should do, how it is you should approach your kid. Because um, kids do have real issues. So you got to make sure that you're, you're talking to them uh, in, in a very fruit, fruitful way, you know, uh, get past the hurt, get past the disappointment, but talk to them in a way that's going to help uh, fix the problem, not pacify the problem. Uh, number two thing you want to do, well, that's number three. Number number one is pray. Number two is be acutely aware of who you are. Uh, be true, honest with yourself and, and find out about your family. Find out what happens in your family. You know, and that way you can have, number three, a real life conversation with your children to kind of help prepare them um, for what's going on. Biblically, um, I think somewhere over in uh, Ephesians, I believe, Ephesians 6, Paul talks about, uh, talks about, you know, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. So Paul is not talking about be your kid's friend. Paul's not talking about, you know, <laughs> you know, they, your kids ain't going to be mad at you. They won't slam a door. They won't say something under their, underneath their breath or, or, you know, say a few choice of words. They may be mad because anyone who is made to do the right thing or told to do the right thing 
and we don't want to, we're going to be mad about that. But what Paul is talking about, don't say something and then do something else. So as a parent, I can't be out here doing crazy stuff and then tell my tell my kids, well, you know, do as I do as I say, not as I do. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Also, I can't make life so burdensome for them that we do have problems in the family. I've got to, I've got to um, um, know who my kids are, know who I am. And, and then Paul said, uh, but bring them up in the discipline uh, and instruction of the Lord. So I've got to bring my kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But how am I going to know what they are if I'm not practicing the discipline and instruction of the Lord? You know, if I'm not reading my word, if I'm not, if I don't have a relationship with God, how am I supposed to bring them up? In the discipline, and once again, that goes back to point one: do as I do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I can't do that, you know. If I'm out here smoking, I can't tell my kids, "Well, you shouldn't smoke." You know, what's what's that sound like? You know, hypocrite. Going from bed to bed, from relationship right, relationship. Then what am I supposed? To, what am I supposed to tell my kids? Well, don't do what I do. You know, it, it just it just doesn't work that way. So that those are the things I would say to parents who uh, want to uh, establish those re- or, or nurture those relationships with their kids. Um, you got to know, you got to, you got to pray about it. Got to make sure that you're bringing them up in the, um, um, in the uh, discipline and instruction of the Lord. Which means you got to have a relationship with God. You got to be true to yourself. You got to know acutely aware who you are, what goes on in your family. Then you got to be able to have uh, those nurturing conversations or life-giving conversations. Okay. Okay. And also, like, be aware of all your actions, like, actually annotate everything that you do. Be cautious of all your actions and how it will affect everyone around you, including yourself and your relationship with your kids. Absolutely. So, next question, next question, sliding on back. How can you forgive your parents if they never wanted anything to do with you or resented you? Wow, I think I think we talked touched on that a little bit. Um, yeah, just you know, in all the verses that we've talked about, forgiveness has been an active part, not a passive part. So it's not even reciprocal. It's it's one way from, from what we've looked at here. So how do I still forgive my parents who don't want to who resent me or don't don't want to be bothered with me? Forgiveness is up for me to forgive. It's not for them to forgive. It's up for me to forgive. Now, they can receive it or not receive it. Whether they receive it or not is on them. Kind of like um, um, it's NFL season, so and I'll talk about that. So if, if the coach has drawn up a play and the receiver is supposed to um, run a route, uh, the quarterback and the receiver both wear the play and the receiver does not run the route, the quarterback is going to throw the ball to where the receiver is supposed to be. He, he can't throw the ball to where the receiver is going to be because the uh, the, the uh, cornerback is going to read it and come and jump and intercept it or tackle the person for a loss. So the quarterback has to use trajectory to throw the ball to where the um, receiver is supposed to be. In life, forgiveness is the exact same same way. We're throwing our forgiveness to where our parents supposed to be. If they're not there to receive the ball, then it becomes an incomplete pass. Does that mean that you didn't throw the ball? No, the ball was thrown. <laughs> it's up to them to complete the pass. Now, here's the thing about forgiveness. We have to forgive people based on how, how we want God to forgive us. Not necessarily forgiving people by how they receive it. So my advice is to simply uh, forgive people. If they don't they don't want to receive it or they don't want anything to do with you, you can't allow yourself to live in those uh, Kodak moments. And, and what I mean by Kodak moment is that back in my day, we used to have these, before we had smartphones, we used to have a little thing called cameras where you would, and it would take a picture and a little thing would come out and you fan a little bit and then, then you have your picture. Well, if you don't forgive, you're living that life in that Kodak moment. You've been captured in that moment, and you can't get past that moment. 
Well, our life was not meant to be Kodak moments. Our lives were meant to be motion pictures. So that means that we go from event to event, event, from situation to situation to situation, and we have, but we cannot move on. And when I say situation, I'm not talking about bad or good. I'm just saying we, we move from event to event. But if we if we if we don't forgive because that person resents us or that person doesn't want to be bothered with us, then we still are encapsulated in that motion picture. I mean, in that in that Kodak moment. Forgiveness brings us from that picture so that we can move on with our lives. It helps us turn the page to the next chapter of our life. Okay. And I'll say um, just an example of that would be like my mom, she resented me um, my whole life, basically. Although like I did live for her, grew up in my mom's home. She loves me, but she resented me. Uh, she basically, I had to build a relationship with her away from her. Like, I couldn't live with her, still can't live with her to this day. That's why I'm in Portland. And with that being said, I had to forgive her because I do want to better my relationship with God. And in that, to forgive her, I realized I have to create boundaries. If I go to visit, I can't stay longer than two days. And I probably can't even stay at her house. And then... Just be like, hey, bye, call her on the phone from time to time, and that's about it. So just establishing a boundary, and even though she resents me, I know if I was to come or she have a life problem or something, it's going to be my fault. But it is okay. You just charge it to her head and not her heart, and may God bless her. I love her still. Love you, Mama. Hope you're watching this. <laughs> Well, there you go. My mom and I had <clears throat> a relationship, notice I said had, um, where we would argue all the time whenever we got together for a period of time. We'd argue uh, not about uh, everyday stuff. We'd argue about the Bible. <laughs> and my dad pointed out one time, his dad, my dad's like, man, every time y'all get together, y'all, you know, he just leaves the room because he knows the argument is coming. And I didn't really notice it until my mom and dad were hit head on by a drunk driver. And my mom almost lost her life. My dad was sitting in a wheelchair all broken up and he would not leave the hospital and he wanted to sit right there by my mom until she woke up. Um, and he still, even after she woke up, you know, he still stayed there. So even to this day, my mom hobbles because her ankle was crushed um, during that time, um, it was during that moment when I realized that, remember those those things we talked about earlier, relational um, uh, um, and, and um, uh, reconciliation and moving on? Well, that was a moment of, rec of reconciliation because both of us wanted to, we discovered that the time we have together and the person we we began to we began to value the person more than being right. See what I mean? So none of the other stuff mattered anymore. It didn't matter if she was right. Didn't matter if I was right. Didn't matter who was wrong. So our conversation now is a lot different because we had to come to an understanding that we value the person above the relationship. I mean, the um, uh, who's right or wrong. So. Um, I hope that you, you, you and your mom can reconcile at some point and, and, and move move together, uh, journey together um, um, in life. Uh, and I hope that it doesn't take anything tragic to make that happen. But it, it was something that actually happened. That tragedy helped me realize that if I had lost my mom right then, you know, none of that other stuff would have mattered. You know, what, what, what difference would it have made? <clears throat> so... Um, just put things to perspective for me. So yeah, um, if anybody out there right now, if you have a, if you have opportunity to reconcile with your parent, or reach out to them, and and value the relationship above whether who's right or wrong. You know, um, I would much rather sit with my mom alive, with me being dead wrong, <laughs> and then I can get it right. Then me to be right and her be in the grave and not be able to uh, uh, me not be able to have that that uh, conversation relationship. So, yeah, just value the person 
more so you value being right or wrong. Amen. And that, like, just love yourself, love everyone. Because like you said earlier, love covers a lot of sin. So if you oh, have yeah. a lot of love to give and you forgive, you might as well be clean. Might as well. <laughs> Why is forgiving essential for healing? Wow. Why is forgiving? Oh, man, that's a good, great question. Um, forgiveness is essential for healing because it releases you from that moment. And I'll, I'll go back to that point again. It helps you move past that moment in your life. And you begin to heal emotionally. You begin to heal mentally. And there's a lot of stuff that's tied mentally and emotionally. It ties to our physical. The Bible talks about beloved above all things. I wish that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. That word soul, we uh, got from the word psyche, which means mind. So in essence, what it's saying is that God is saying he, uh, he wants us to prosper even as our minds prosper. And that's what the devil is after, our minds. He wants to keep us worried about stuff. He wants to keep us discontent about stuff. He wants to keep us with stuff going on and on and on. But forgiveness breaks all of those things. Forgiveness says, you know what? I value you more than this situation. So let's forget about it. Let's move on together. And I'll use that word forget, tongue in cheek, because you may never forget, <laughs> you know, but you can move on past. You can't do that. So um, that that helps that helps us mentally, helps us emotionally, which in turn helps us physically. Yeah, 100%. Because uh, bettering your life, it helps you become healthier. And uh, one thing that I can honestly say about forgiving and the hurt that it caused, that it probably only hurt you for that second. And it probably hurt you physically, emotionally, but most of the time, it only happened during that time. After it is just everything that you think about. So if it lingers on hurting you, it's really not hurting you because most of our battles, most of our problems are from the unseen world. Mm -hmm. There's not physically choking us, hitting us, hurting us. Like any problems that we have, whether it's bills, whether it's uh, getting dressed, whether it's uh, going to the store, eating, anything it is, it's all mental because literally our bills can't beat us up. Our our car can't beat us up. Nothing can a hundred percent beat us up other than our minds. Mm -hmm. Us stressing about everything that we have going on is a, what causes us not to basically heal. You could be stuck in the same predicament like you were saying earlier, over and over again because you don't want to let that hurt go. You want to stay in that moment because you want to change that moment, which you know you can't. So. You could be homeless without a job, uh, without food, anything, and be happier than someone that's 100% rich because that rich person is still mad or hurt over something that they didn't forgive that happened to them when they were two years old, whether mm -hmm. the homeless person forgave the person that basically stole all their shoes and their money five minutes ago. So it's all it all comes together Forgiving actually helps you heal, helps you break generational curses, help you better be a better person, help you be a better parent, have a better life, be happier, have peace, and then you'll overall become a better person and God will recognize you in heaven on judgment day for it, if there is a judgment day. Or it might be just an entering to heaven, you never know, or a party. <laughs> well, you know, the Bible's very, Bible's very clear on that. It says when he comes, his reward will be with him. So every man that is just, let him be just still. Every man that is unjust, be unjust still. So we know that when Jesus comes, that, that the judgment is already over. It's done. <laughs> so <laughs> um, what, one, one quick thing I want to leave uh, you with, though, is like looking at the other side of the coin. And it's Marianne Williamson who talked about, she said this, um, Unfor unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. 
Think about that. So if we hold grudges, if we hold that unforgiveness in, it's like us drinking poison and waiting for the person that did something wrong to us to die. So, we, yeah, forgiveness is a very, very important part in our lives that helps us prosper in life, helps us move forward in life, help us to grow in life. Okay. And uh, my last question, do you have any advice that you would give to any young adults who are struggling with forgiving their parents? I would say start that journey today. Forgiveness is a decision, just like unforgiveness is a decision. Unforgiveness says, you know what? I ain't going to forgive them. I'm not going to do it. They did me wrong. Forgiveness says, you know what? They did me wrong. I'm going to forgive them. <laughs> it's, a it's a decision. Now, in order to get to that decision, you may it's like peeling back an onion. It has many layers to it because people have different things that have happened to them and people respond to things differently. But peel back those layers one by one and walk with a therapist to help you through that so that you can actually live your best life. Right now, I know that's the, that's the hot button words, the thing to do is live your best life, but you cannot live your best life holding back to your past. That's why on the vehicles, in your car, you got uh, a um, big old windshield that's right there and a small little tiny rear view mirror because just like that car is meant to go forward, it can go backwards. You have to look for a little while, but just like life, that car, just like that, just like that car, life is meant to move forward. That's why you have the big windshield right there. And you cannot move forward. I'll say this. You can move forward by looking back, but you're bound for an accident. You're going to go a whole lot slower. So if you want to go faster, you want to go safer, look forward to your, um, to your windshield of forgiveness. Okay. Okay. Great words of the wise. I'll just say, um, do whatever is best for you. Like whether it's going to therapy, whether it's just sitting and understanding your emotions, understand what you're going through. If you want to have that conversation, have that conversation when you're with your parents, when you are ready, don't do it because we're saying do it. Do it because you honestly want to forgive them and actually want to heal yourself and forgive them. Um, have the uncomfortable conversations and based on their response, you know, whether to move forward in your relationship with them or to cut them off and love them from a distance. Do whatever makes you happy and do whatever God wants you to do. So with that, for the ado... Like, comment, and subscribe. Follow our socials. We have an Instagram, TikTok, uh, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube, you know, and all of the names are uh, at Sharing Yams because, you know, we're some good yams, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ham. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead, like, comment, subscribe. Before we go, I'm going to give you a little scripture, scripture of the day. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few can find it. We also have an upcoming event, which is next October 31st um, at 5 p.m. Starting at 5, we have our Hollow Be Thy Name event. We are meet and greet. First, we'll do a meet and greet for an hour inside the church, and then we'll have a drive-through uh, for Hollow Hallow Be Thy Name. It will be for two hours from 6 to 8, and it will be at Sharon Seven-Day Adventist Church at 5209 Northeast 22nd Avenue, Portland, Oregon. I don't know. 97211. 97211. Come out and uh, come out and meet us. And if you want a better relationship with Christ, if you do want to become a member of our church or anything or have more questions concerning God, you can always email, comment, or Hit this man up, Reverend Pastor Shields, or Pastor Shields, not Reverend Pastor Shields. 
<laughs> he will get all the information you need. And you, if you want any other topics or any topics that you would like to for us to talk about, so drop them below in the comments, and I will get back to you. We will talk about it. Cool. Look forward to all upcoming events, and we're out. Have a great day. God loves you. And hit us up online, SharonSDA.net. <laughs> and look up SharonSDA. Oh, <laughs> SharonSDA.net online. Connect with us. And that wraps up another enlightening episode of Sharon Teens. If today's chat resonated with you, make sure to hit that subscribe button for more faith-filled discussions. Share the love and this podcast with friends and fellow seekers. Remember with Sharon Teams, you're never alone on your faith journey. Until next time, keep the faith and stay blessed.